0: Welcome back to another episode of BBP News. I am Chris Baker. Nick Rod is off today to get right into the weather-like tradition. In Los Angeles, California, it is mostly sunny, 80 degrees with a sunny weekend. In Houston, Texas, it is sunny, 83 with a partly cloudy weekend. In Chicago, it is mostly sunny, 77 Partly cloudy weekend ahead, and in New York City, it is raining today with a high of 75 and a mostly sunny weekend. So, I don't know about you, but I am certainly glad Friday's here. It's, I don't know why, it's felt like a very long week to me. A lot's been going on, um, in the news world and just outside of that. We'll get into what's going on in the news world here shortly, but... I don't know. It's just been a very long week, and I am glad that the weekend's here. This weekend, I hope to be able to relax and just sit back and enjoy the, you know, pretty... We're in fall now, but, you know, there's always those few weekends left of fall weather where it's bearable. You can still get some yard work and things like that done before it gets too cold. But besides that, you know, I have really nothing to say besides we have a nice weekend coming up here where I live. I'm looking forward to relaxing, um, doing things like that. But, you know, I would usually ask Nick how he's doing, but obviously Nicholas isn't here. But I do have to ask a favor from all of you. Me and Nick, for our Zoom debate Monday morning, we're going to be talking about fall desserts, you know, Everyone has their favorite fall dessert, whether it's the apple cider donuts, the apple pie, anything pumpkin, because if you like pumpkin, you like pumpkin and everything, my opinion is, or something else. Head over to Twitter. We have a poll up pinned to our profile right now and tell us what is your favorite dessert for the fall time. Um, Me and Nick will be discussing that. He'll be telling us his favorite. I'll be telling you my favorite and we'll... Discuss the results of the poll, whether we weren't surprised or if we were surprised by it. Um, So make sure you head over to Twitter and vote on that so you can have your input added to Monday Morning Show. And if you like something else, tell us in the comments. What's your favorite fall dessert? Because I'm genuinely curious. What is everyone's favorite fall dessert? Because I feel like not everyone will ever agree on this. Some people love pumpkin, some people hate it with a burning passion, and same with apple pie and apple cider donuts, I feel like though it's not, you kind of like it or you kind of don't, it's either you love it or you hate it. So now that I've asked you and pretty much begged you to head over to Twitter and vote on our poll, let's get into the news since I don't have Nick here to ask him how um, he's doing. So we got an answer last week on the possibility of a COVID-19 booster shot and when it will be made available to the general public. The independent advisory panel met to discuss the Pfizer vaccine booster application for those who are over the age of 16. The FDA fully approved the vaccine on August 23rd. For those who are confused about the approval and the renaming of the vaccine, me and Nick actually detailed the approval letter A few weeks ago back in an episode, I believe it was a Monday morning. The advisory panel discussed all the available data. You can access the data they used on FDA.gov. After reviewing all the data, the advisory panel delivered a recommendation on whether boosters should be used. From this recommendation, the FDA and CDC now get to decide if they approve this recommendation or not. And the meeting went from 8.30 a.m. until about 3.45 p.m. You had the opportunity to watch the whole thing live Friday morning like me and Nick told you in Rapid News from Friday's episode. And the independent panel ruled yes and no when it comes to the need for a COVID-19 booster shot. The advisory panel voted no to recommend a COVID-19 booster shot for everyone. But they are recommending the shots for everyone age 65 or higher or at high risk of severe disease or have a job that puts them at risk of getting COVID-19. This recommendation is made under the emergency use authorization and could be administered six months after full vaccination is reached. It is important to note that just because the Pfizer booster shot is a no for now doesn't mean it's a no forever. It could be changed later on if the Pfizer decides to refile paperwork and have the independent advisory panel review it again. This is the first step in the process that the FDA and CDC both need to sign off on the recommendations that were made by the panel. The FDA and CDC have the right to deny or approve what the panel decided on, and the decision came in a public hearing like I just told you, and if you missed it, you can watch the full hearing on the FDA's website and YouTube page. The overwhelming vote to deny boosters to the general public was 16 to 2, and the vote for age 65 and older or those at risk of severe disease or working in dangerous jobs where they could be exposed to COVID-19 was 18 to 0. This is a huge blow to the White House and the president's plan that they expected boosters to be made available for everyone this past week. The president did say that this was all dependent on the FDA's and CDC's decision, and now we know the FDA's decision on boosters for Pfizer. We still don't know about Moderna or Johnson & Johnson, the possibility of boosters from them. A federal district court ruled last week a Trump-era immigration policy, which President Biden decided to continue must stop for now. This policy is known as Title 42 And what it did was expel immigrants at the border before they can apply for asylum to slow the spread of COVID-19 in holding facilities. President Biden controversially decided to keep this policy in place, and a federal court judge in Washington, D.C. sided with the migrants, saying the way the policy is implemented legally, COVID-19 isn't a good enough excuse to deny entry since they have plenty of ways the U.S. government can limit the spread of COVID-19 in their facilities. This allows migrant families to be exempt from Title 42 with children, and it has always been this way. Title 42 policy can be applied to single migrants, and the Trump administration, under the authority of the CDC, started Title 42 in March of 2020 to try and slow the spread of COVID-19 since title forty two has been extended repeatedly by both the Trump and Biden administrations, they have almost turned away a million migrants coming into the u s since this policy was put in place back in March of 2020. The ruling is a huge time saver for migrants and asylum seekers who has said title forty two is unlawful and inhumane and not justified by public health. The judge's ruling today to stop the use of Title 42 from migrant families takes effect in 14 days, and it is unclear if the Justice Department will repeal this ruling. More than half of American school districts are reporting school districts have availability for drivers are down 51%. During the pandemic, many drivers chose to retire, and now say they are too scared to be driving the school bus back and forth due to COVID-19. In Massachusetts, the National Guard were deployed to drive buses, and Pennsylvania is also considering to do the same thing. Parents are having to order Ubers and Lyfts for their children to get to school every day, costing them a lot of money. Some school districts are offering $250 a month to pay for transportation, but critics say that is not nearly enough. Looking at travel ahead of this holiday season, starting in November, international travelers will once again be able to enter the United States, but there are requirements that they need to follow, and there are some pretty strict requirements that the White House announced earlier this week. They are lifting the travel ban starting in November. However, those foreign travelers who are traveling into our country must show proof of vaccination and a COVID-19 test within three days of travel to be allowed into the United States. Of course, masking and social distancing will also be required, but there is no quarantine mandate. This new policy also requires airlines to collect passenger information, including a phone number and email to improve contact tracing efforts. Now, unvaccinated Americans who are traveling to come back home will still be allowed into the country but however if you are a U.S. citizen and unvaccinated you need to test within one day of departure and once again after you are negative when you, are, when you arrive back into the United States. The CDC and the State Department are re- releasing more guidance soon and once that information is out we will be sure to report on that so all you know ahead of your travel plans. Now switching gears into looking at Capitol Hill, Democrats versus Republicans, progressives versus moderates, infrastructure, immigration, and a government shutdown eventually looming above. This is all the events going on in Washington DC currently. If you have been following the news lately, you would know about the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, which is a bipartisan, and then the $3.5 trillion partisan bill sponsored by Democrats that is planned on being passed through budget reconciliation. Democrats are calling this so-called human infrastructure bill is now currently hanging over the House and Senate. Neither have passed both chambers and Both are super important to the president's agenda. Progressive Democrats are saying the $3.5 trillion bill isn't enough and they are compromising enough as it is. And then moderate Democrats say the price tag is too high and key. Moderate Democrats like Senator Joe Manchin will not vote for it. Democrats have zero wiggle room in the Senate, so if one Democrat is out, the entire package is done for. On top of this, the Senate Parliamentary attempt parliamentary, said a pathway to citizenship cannot be included in the package. This is another huge blow for the Biden administration as this was one of their key elements of this package. The $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill passed through the Senate last month. And the House has a tentative schedule to vote on that bill September 27th, but progressives are refusing to vote for that without the $3.5 trillion package to go along with it. Now, focusing on the government shutdown that I just mentioned a few seconds ago, the House passed a bill Tuesday night to temporarily keep the government running and raise the debt ceiling. The problem is, it does not look like it will pass the Senate. And we are dealing with two crises at the same time. Crisis one being the government shutdown. We deal with this issue every year, the federal fiscal budget ends September 30th. And if Congress doesn't either pass a budget, which is 100% certain not going to happen, or pass a continuing resolution to temporarily keep the government funded while they figure out a budget. If they fail at either one of these, the government will shut down, which is huge trouble for federal workers, military members, and their paychecks, government relief impacted by natural disaster operated through FEMA, and among many other things that I could go into. But those are the big ticket items. The bill that the House passed Tuesday night pushes this problem down the road until December 3rd, then the fight will start all over again. The second crisis being the government is risking defaulting on our national debt. The government works just like everyone else, and they have a certain amount of money to spend. And during the last year, we all have spent a lot more money than we typically do. Just like the government, they spent more money than normally do on the COVID-19 pandemic. And the easiest way for me to explain this is every month, most Americans have a monthly budget of You know, I get paid $2,000 a month, $1,000 is going to my rent. you know, $200 for my car maybe, you know, just throwing that out there. They have a budget and then they have a certain amount of money that's set aside to go into savings. Well, let's say your car breaks down, you need to have that repaired. So you put that on your credit card, your car is repaired, and then your hot water tank in your house goes and you need to pay for that. Well, you might not have enough money on hand to pay for that. And In order for you to not default on your bills, you need to get creative on how you are going to pay back your debt. And just like during the pandemic, many people called their credit card company to increase their credit limit so you can pay for your car repair and your new hot water tank that just blew. And this is if you're... Like the government, you have a great credit score and you were able to get the um, credit line to be extended. Then once the credit limit is increased, that doesn't mean you can spend extra money. That just means you get more money to pay back the bills you have racked up. The U.S. government has an excellent credit rating and always pay their bills, but a century ago, Congress put a limit on the amount of money we could borrow to pay our obligation, and this is most commonly known as the debt ceiling. In order to not default on our debt, Congress must pass a bill to raise the debt ceiling, which has been done more than 75 times in the last 50 years. In order to not default on our debt, Congress must pass a bill to raise the debt ceiling, which has been done more than 75 times in the last 50 years. The last time the debt ceiling was raised was when President Trump was in office, and if we default, the U.S. government might not be able to pay our obligations like SSI payment, veteran pay- benefits, and salary benefits for federal employees, and the military, just to name a few. Then the financial chaos that would ensue in the U.S. and in the world markets. If we default, it will cost the government more money to borrow in the future, and Republicans say that they may be open to passing a continuing resolution to temporarily keep the government funded, but they are not going to raise the debt ceiling. Moving on to the Gabby Petito case that has been gaining national attention. The hunt for Brian Laundrie is continuing in the Florida Reserve. Dozens of officers from multiple agencies have been searching the park using ATVs, dogs, and drone operators along with helicopters. Gabby Petito and Brian Laundrie left For their cross-country road trip in mid-June, but there were signs of trouble from what appeared to be a picture-perfect couple. On August 12th, police in Moab, Utah pulled them over for getting calls about domestic abuse. Officers' body footage showed the emotional aftermath Patio admitted to hitting laundry and saying he refused to let her in the van. Police report says both agreed that it was a mental health break needed and laundry returned to Florida on September first without Gabby. A search warrant reveals that multiple texts to her mother in which there appeared to be more than tension between laundry. Petito's final text on August 27th made an odd reference to her grandfather that the same day her van was spotted in Wyoming and the footage from a couple driving that was caught on footage by a couple driving through that helped investigators lead them to her body. Earlier on an in the investigation, the parents gave information in a piece of laundry's clothing to help canines track him down, but the FBI is asking for your help to find him. If you have any information about his whereabouts, you can call 1-800-225-5324. That number, again, is 1-800-225-5324, and the number will be down in the show notes. Getting into rapid news, former President Trump is suing his niece Mary Trump for over $100 million. For more information on that, check my Medium article that is on Medium right now. President Biden has announced plans that the United States will purchase more than 1 billion doses of the Pfizer vaccine to share with lower income countries. This is more than double the original purchase plan. Now we are getting into another good news time where Nick is not here to deliver the good news, but I am here to give you the good news. And personally, I love this good news story. Um, It's about St. Jude so you know anything related to St. Jude is automatically a great good news story. So I'm sure you heard but there was another space mission to space this time it was all civilians lasting for a total of three days it was funded by a billionaire through the company SpaceX, and one of the people going to space was a St. Jude survivor. Now St. Jude set a goal to raise $200 million for their treatment centers in ongoing research to end childhood cancer. Well, they didn't quite reach their goal. They reached $160 million in their three-day fundraising goal, which is an amazing accomplishment. I mean, $160 million in three days, that is nothing to sneeze at. And it also sent a St. Jude survivor To space, so right there is an automatic win, too, in my eyes. You know, in an interview, she said she always told her nurses and doctors if she ever gets out of here, she's going to space. And you know, those nurses and doctors were like, Uh huh, sure, you know, sure you are. You know, that's just something young kids say. And you know, she said she was going to space in a billionaire funded the trip for her and three other civilians to be the first people in all civilian group to go to space. That is the good news story today, $160 million raised for St. Jude. I think it's an excellent good news story, and I think our good news king, Nick, will approve of this good news story. He will have to let us know Monday morning if he approves of my good news story or not. But that is the end of this Monday morning news episode. Make sure you follow us on Twitter for the latest 24 hours breaking news. So you are always in the know. Check out our latest Medium articles. We always discuss different topics than what we discuss here on the podcast. Or in some cases, we dive deeper into stories that we have discussed here on the podcast. But until Monday morning, everyone, have a great weekend and see you Monday. Bye.